Hi again everyone, thank you for joining us as we look again at some of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in our Holy Spirit series. And last time we looked at how the Holy Spirit has been represented as a dove. We also touched upon how oil, the oil of anointing, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. This time we're going to look primarily at how fire is an incredible representation of the Spirit of God. But there are others, and, and I don't want to miss any of them out, although we, we can't spend too much time on them. But water is another very key figure of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Of course, that famous prophecy in Joel chapter 2, it was fulfilled in Acts 2, Joel 2, 28 29 says, It shall come to pass afterward, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, etc. And there is that image of pouring out of the spirit like water and of course the spirit coming has been described as times of refreshing the prophet isaiah as well isaiah 44 3 i will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground and then there's the very famous account of how jesus in john 7 37 following on that last day of the feast the the, the last day of that great feast which of course is the feast of the tabernacles and for the first seven days um, of that feast water was taken from the pool of Siloam and it was carried in a golden pitcher and poured out on the altar to remind uh, the Jews of how God provided for them in the wilderness and uh, John tells us on the last day the great day of the feast Jesus stood out and and said with this imagery in people's Minds. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But what a lot of people miss is John's comment on this. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the water image was representing the giving of the Holy Spirit. Of course, wind is also a symbol of the Spirit. The Ruach of God in Hebrew, the, the Spirit of God, the same word for wind and, and Spirit. And we see in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes with the sound of a rushing mighty wind. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, the, the Spirit blows where it wills, like the wind. And we, we hear the sound of it, but we can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. But let's look at this wonderful image of fire in the time that we have here today. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire, Hebrews 12, 29. And of course in Acts 2, uh, Pentecost, verse 2 to 4, it says, Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And so there in the day of Pentecost is the image of the Holy Spirit coming as fire. And we shouldn't be surprised at that because um, John the Baptist told us in Matthew 3 and verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now the following verses in that chapter 3 of Matthew do talk about judgment and some people say well the fire's got to do with the judgment but fire is also a figure of of God's grace and power because fire both purges and purifies and of course in the light of Acts chapter 2 it's an undeniable fact that part of the day of Pentecost were these tongues of fire that came upon each 
of their heads. Of course, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 49, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. We know he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. So this fire must speak of the Holy Spirit's uh, power. And sadly, so many Christians today have, as Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 5, a form of godliness that denies the power. Motor cars were designed to move when the engine is empowered by ignition. And Christians were meant to live the same way. We're meant to be moved by fire. So if you're an unmoved Christian, or you're failing to move others in your Christian witness, it may be because of an absence of fire. It was General Booth of the Salvation Army who said in his hymn, "'Tis fire we want, for fire we plead, the fire will meet our every need. Lord, send the fire." I want to share two things with you about fire. Um, Fire can be quenched and fire must be caught. Let's look at the fact that fire can be quenched as can the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, verse 19 says, um, Do not quench the Spirit. That can be translated, Stop putting out the Spirit's fire. You see, the Holy Spirit can be resisted by stubbornness. We've seen that already. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved by sin, Ephesians says. But the Holy Spirit can also be quenched, 1 Thessalonians 5. How do we quench the Holy Spirit? Well, how is a flame quenched? How is a flame extinguished? A few ways. First of all, it's extinguished when it's ignored. How rude it would be to ignore the third person of the Blessed Trinity, and yet so often he is ignored. But a fire also can be extinguished when it's no longer tended. We have a responsibility to stoke the fire of the Spirit within us. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul said to young man Timothy, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. And so we have a responsibility to keep the fires burning, to tend the fire of the Spirit. But thirdly, not only can the fire be extinguished through being ignored, no longer tended, but overwhelmed. In other words, something else covers over and starves uh, the flame of oxygen. And during the early church period, we believe that tradition, hierarchy, substituted the work of the Spirit. And even at times, doctrine can become divorced from unction. So we need to be aware of these things. But let's explore this a little bit more. The Spirit can be overwhelmed which quenches the spirit. Let me give you at least five ways this can be, practically speaking. One, when we will not let him operate. First Thessalonians 5 that we read, verse 19 says, Do not quench the spirit. But Paul goes on to say, Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. We are to distinguish the spirits, but not extinguish the Holy Spirit. Distinguish, not extinguish. And where there's no freedom for the Holy Spirit to, to move, when we despise prophecies, when we, do not, we forbid to speak in tongues, all these things, we don't let the operation of the Holy Spirit in his giftings, etc. Uh, what we do is we put out the flame of the Spirit. There's no freedom. And we know from 2 Corinthians 3.17 that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty. So, When we don't let him operate as he should, we extinguish his flame. Secondly, our theology. 
can also extinguish the flame. When we have contentment in our judicial possessions, and yet there is an absence of personal experience. In other words, we say, I'm in Christ, I'm seated in heavenly places, but we've shouted out the destination so many times, like the bus conductor, that we think that we've been there, but actually we're not living in the fullness of that experience. Um, our theology can actually get in the way. Thirdly, fear. You remember Luke chapter 11, um, Jesus said, if, if we ask for a fish, we'll... Will a father give us a serpent? If we ask for an egg, will he give us a scorpion? God is not going to give us something to harm us. So there's nothing to be afraid of with the fire of the Holy Spirit only having an absence of the, the Spirit's power in our life. That's the only thing to be afraid of. So not letting an operate can extinguish his flame. Our theology, fear, but also skepticism and unbelief. This is the reason why Israel wandered in the wilderness it says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. And even in Matthew thirteen fifty eight, our Lord Jesus, in his own home country, the vicinity of his own hometown where he grew up, it says he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. And so we see that our, our cynicism, our skepticism and our unbelief can extinguish the flame of the Spirit. And because we no longer believe in a supernatural God at times, that's why we no longer look for his supernatural acts or expect him. And then fifthly, um, we can not let him operate. We can, um, with our theology, overwhelm him. We can cause fear to extinguish his flame. Skepticism and unbelief can hinder his work. But fifthly, the preeminence of human wisdom will be one sure way of extinguishing the spirit's uh, flame. Lewis Hastings, the British explorer of the late 19th century, noted in his explorations of Africa that his guide shared an unusual sight in the behavior of chimpanzees. And in the jungles of Angola, there were often these clearings where sticks had been carefully piled up as if to make a good fire. And when Hastings asked his guide how these things came to be there and why the sticks were so neatly arranged, he was astounded by the answer. Chimpanzees had gathered them. And in Angolan, the word chimpanzee actually means mock man. And Hastings' guide told him that even though the chimps had piled the sticks and done it well, that was all they could do because they were missing the fire. Chimps had seen men build fire for cooking and protection from wild animals. And they were able to copy men's actions in the building of the fire heap and even gathered around waiting for something to happen. But their wait was in vain because they did not have the fire itself. They could sit for hours, but they couldn't start a real fire. They needed the spark and it was absent. And so often we as Christians, and even in our churches, we can behave like these chimpanzees, mock men, mock men and women of God. We, we, we behave as if the fire is there, but the spark is absent. And maybe our churches uh, could be called Chimpanzee Memorial Church. The fire's not there. So fire can be quenched. And I think a, a large uh, section of the Church of Jesus Christ today, even without knowing it and unintentionally, is quenching the Spirit's fire in her midst. But secondly, notice, please, that fire must be caught. There's a sense in which 
fire cannot be created, rather it's caught. Zechariah 4 verse 6 tells us, the Lord says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. His work is done by the spirit which cannot be created by work, might or power. So what can we do to catch the spirit's flame? Well, here's two things. One, provide the environment and the conditions in which the flame can be caught. And then once that happens, the second thing to do is conserve those conditions in order to continue the burning of the flame. So provide the environment and the conditions in which the fire can be caught. And these conditions are the same as salvation because from start to finish, um, our, our Christian walk must be one of repentance, faith and a loving pursuit of God through the Lord Jesus by the power of his Spirit. So we need to constantly be repenting of our sin in a walk of fellowship and abiding with Jesus and uh, believing in him, in his love, in his grace. And by doing that, we, we, can, we, we catch the flame of the fire of the Saviour's love by the Holy Spirit. It is by faith, remember Luke 11 tells us, that we ask for this fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we must continue to persevere in that vein. And, and then that is also how we conserve those conditions. We don't get lit by the, the, the power of the Spirit once and that's it. But we must conserve those conditions for the flame to continue to burn. Now I know that we receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit at new birth when we're born again. That's when he becomes, if you like, resident in our lives. But there's also a sense which we need him to become president. That's what happened at Pentecost, I believe. You see, the disciples, I think, received the Holy Spirit in John 20, verse 22, where Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. But they still needed their Pentecost. And so do you, even if you're a born-again child of God. You need to have an overwhelming baptism and ignition, um, completely submerged, immersed, and set alight by the Spirit of God. A combustion of the fire of the Spirit. Has that happened to you? Have you been born again? It's not just growing up in a Christian tradition. It's having your own experience of new birth, being born from above, where the Spirit becomes resident. But is the Holy Spirit president? Is he in charge? Is Jesus Christ Lord of every area of your life? And does the Holy Spirit come to invade every room of your being? Has he filled you body, soul and spirit? Have you had your Pentecost? Have you had this baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire? And others will come and see you burn if you have. A man who has experienced himself and taught the infilling of the Holy Spirit was asked by a clergyman on one occasion, are you telling us that, that you have the truth and we do not? And he replied, he said, no, I'm not saying that. And he thought about a way of explaining the difference between individuals and churches who operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit's power and those who do not. And suddenly he found himself thinking about an appliance that he and his wife had bought when they moved to their new Dallas home. And he explained to the clergyman like this. He said, we both have the truth. 
You know, when my wife and I moved to America, we bought a marvelous device called a deep freeze. And there we keep some rather fine Texas beef. Now, my wife can take one of those steaks out of the freezer, lay it out frozen solid on the table, and it, it is a steak. It's a steak, no question of that. You can sit around and analyze it. We can discuss its lineage, its age, what part of the steer it comes from. We can weigh it, list its nutritive values. But if my wife puts that steak on the fire, something different begins to happen. My little boy smells it from way out in the yard and comes shouting, Well, Mum, uh, that smells good. I want some. Gentlemen, said the speaker, that is the difference between our ways of handling the same truth. You have yours on ice. We have ours on fire. In many churches across our land and across the world, this Sunday there will be the creedal statement, I believe in the Holy Ghost. And thank God for that belief and confession. But is that all it is? Is it a confession that is on ice? Or do you have your faith in the Holy Spirit on fire through the unction to function as a New Testament believer as God intended, like those at Pentecost and right through the Acts of the Apostles. Is that what you want? That's what we need for sure in the Church of Jesus Christ. Why not pray to God right now? According to Luke 11 again, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? He is a God who gives the Spirit without measure to overflowing. And that's what we need today. Genuine, authentic, Spirit-filled Christians and a Spirit-filled church. Why not pray with me just now as we close this episode and ask by faith, and if you need to repent of stuff, certainly repent, but ask by faith for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to repent for having quenched the Spirit, ignoring the Spirit, no longer tending the Spirit in your life. Maybe you're filled with Him before and you haven't cultivated that walk in the Spirit. Or maybe you've overwhelmed the presence of the Spirit in your life or in your church when you haven't let Him operate, when your theology has smothered Him, when maybe fear or skepticism, unbelief or the preeminence of human wisdom and intellect have, have extinguished the Spirit's flame. That flame must be caught. Why not catch that flame today as we pray together now? In the words of John Wesley, and Charles Wesley said it in his hymn, O thou who camest from above, the pure celestial fire to impart, kindle a flame of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart. There let it for thy glory burn, with inextinguishable blaze, and trembling to its source return, in humble prayers and fervent praise. Father, for Jesus' sake, fill us and baptize us with the Holy Spirit of the living God, consuming fire, set us afire with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire for the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And if you have had experience of trusting Christ as your Saviour 
and being born again or of being filled with the Holy Spirit and experiencing the evidence of that in your life. Why not communicate with us and write in and uh, tell us what God has been doing in your life. God bless you. See you next time.